Hey there, little killers. Christy here. Before we get into today's episode, I have a couple quick announcements. Some of you might have already seen on social media that we are planning a very special Emmys-themed episode for next week, and we are looking for your help. If you are so excited about Sandra Oh and Phoebe Waller-Bridge being nominated, or you just want to talk about what this show means to you and why it's significant... I would love to get a one to two minute recording. You can just record it as a voice memo on your phone, email it in to spillingeve at gmail.com, and we will share some of those recordings from listeners and some from past guests on our special Emmys episode. Secondly, thank you so much to everyone who's taken the time to rate and review the show on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping us get heard and seen by more new listeners. I know it's a little annoying, but it goes a long way. So if you haven't done that yet and you want to support the show, do it. It's free. And lastly, staying on the Emmys theme, I am a filmmaker, for those of you who don't know, and I have created a short film called Felt Like Me that is currently up for a Young Creatives Award from the International Emmys, and I need your help. I will leave the link in all of our social medias, but it would mean the world to me if you could watch. It's just a one-minute film, and if you like it, vote for it. It's about standing up for peace, and it features the world's most adorable puppet. Okay, enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Spilling Eve, the Killing Eve podcast, where we gush over the show, and sometimes we drink beverages, and this time we are drinking beverages, because my amazing guest brought a beverage, and now I'm like, maybe that should happen every week. Very easy for me. We're enjoying a delicious Riesling. Let me introduce the guest, and we'll get into it. My guest today is the wonderful Julia Rowland, who is a screenwriter and a filmmaker here in Toronto. She's currently developing two feature films. Uh, called Greta Follows Rivers and Parentals at the Canadian Film Center. Welcome, Julia. Thank you. So happy to be here. Oh, my gosh. So happy (laughs) to have you. You were ferociously taking notes, which is always a really good sign for me. I'm obsessed. I try to just invite people onto this podcast who are like as big of nerds as I am and enjoy this show. So it's like we're all on the same page. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about the wine we're drinking? Julia oh has a wine blog and knows so much more than I do. I do. So it's called JuliaDrinksWine.com. Very literal, but that's, you know, that's cool. <laughs> I don't update it enough, but my husband always yells at me because he's just like, you need to update your wine blog more. And I'm like, but I don't. He's like, you need to be drinking wine every day. Like you know what? I wish my husband <laughs> slash producer Chris told me I needed to be drinking wine every day. <laughs> it's a lot of wine though when you're by yourself like I don't want to open a bottle of wine at like 3 p.m on like a Tuesday and be like "Mm, I'm just gonna drink this wine now hard to be productive especially as a writer if you start drinking in the afternoon every day I mean I've done it but I don't I don't know if I recommend it so we are drinking a Riesling an Ontario Riesling uh, by a wine company called Nomad they are in the Niagara region and I brought it because I feel like Killing Eve is such a fresh and fun show and I feel like Riesling is a very fresh and fun wine but it's also a little underrated people think that it's super sweet and that it's a little cloying but it's actually delicious that's like the most beautiful description of a wine in (laughs) relation to this show you're gonna be a fan favorite just putting it out there 
Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing it. Of course. Speaking of the show, let's get into that a little bit. So you are a writer Mm -hmm. and a filmmaker. Yes. How long have you been doing that? What brought you to this line of work? I've always been telling stories. Like I always say I was that super annoying kid that would invite their friends over and then be like, let's perform this play I wrote. Mm -hmm. I was a similar kid, so I get it. Yeah. My My siblings haven't gotten over it yet or forgiven me. My mom is was the only like guest, you know, to to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and did you would... charge her a ticket price or? I, I really should have. Yeah, I'm gonna text you her know, after next time. <laughs> Just get some residuals on those shows. You owe me. So I actually, for a long time, I wanted to act, and that was my focus. And then the more I spent time on set, the more I was like, I really like this, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. I really like creating what I'm watching mm-hmm. and I think it was you know it, it took a while and it took several years to own the fact that I wanted to write and last year was a big turning point for me because I was able to bang out two features which was awesome that's incredible I had a lot of time on my hands <laughs> so even with time it's a feat as someone who is currently trying to write a feature yeah. film yeah it's a lot of, it's a lot of mental power and like psychological hurdles to just make yourself do it there's i mean there were a lot of days where i wrote a line and i was like this is great i'm done now <laughs> time to open the wine yeah wrote a, wrote a sentence cool <laughs> put the you know put the yep. laptop away but i'm here now and and you got into the canadian film center I which did. for any of our non-canadian listeners is a very prestigious program and uh, opens a lot of industry doors too which is exciting so I just can't wait to be like begging you for work for the rest of my life and you'd be like look I did your podcast one time I owe you nothing I brought you wine yeah I mean it's true at this point I need to give you a job I think well so excited to have you killing Eve how did you find the show so I'm that nerdy person where I read all the trades like I read deadline I read the Hollywood reporter and I, I love kind of keeping up on the industry i also read celebrity gossip blogs it's fine we all do you know what we all do it's fine i mean it's just it's it calms me down it's great so i remember hearing about this i think it was around the time orphan black was ending and i think it you know i think bbc america was probably looking for that next Mm -hmm. hit so i remember reading that sandra O had signed on to the show called killing eve i thought the premise was interesting and I kind of forgot about it and I forgot about it until I saw the trailer and I saw the trailer and I was like, holy F, what is this? I need to watch it. Yeah. The, all of the trailers and previews and teasers that I found online were so well done that I feel like they just sort of like reached into the heart of if you are a fan of this, any of this stuff instantly you're like, Oh, I need to, I need to see this. Which is impressive because there isn't a lot being made like this. So for them to be able to find the people for me, I think it was um, it was like Huffington Post or some some kind of just like broad place that had a, a feature, a little featurette on this upcoming show. And I was, yeah, similarly very intrigued. Let's get into this episode. Let's do it. Uh, so today's episode is uh, episode six. Which is <clears throat> entitled Take Me to the Hole. It was written by George Kay and directed by Damon Thomas. And whoa boy, this one is a doozy. <laughs> as are they all. I feel like every week I'm like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. 
But this episode feels very different than a lot of the previous episodes. We're in new locations. We're seeing different combinations of people. And we're seeing Villanelle particularly in a very, very new setting and element and sort of mindset. Uh, So it, it opens up on Constantine giving Villanelle sort of her like marching orders, what her prison infiltration game plan is going to be because we ended the last episode with him saying you've got to go kill Nadia she's in a Russian prison uh (laughs) you fucked up let's do this so they have their classic banter oh I love these two together so much and she's kind of playing around and she's fucking around with like the dashboard and opening up the console she's such a child and I feel like when when Constantine tells her that she's going in because she stole some hats and she just looks at him and she's like, wow, I'm <laughs> dangerous. She's she's you know, it, she's like a 13 a year old girl, which raises my question. We don't know how old she is exactly, which I find is very interesting. That's true. And she has such a ba- like Jody Comer has such a baby face, too. So, I mean, she could be 20. So she could be on that kind of brink of adulthood. Which I, I find, and I feel like there's almost a, a lack of, she doesn't really realize maybe what she's doing all the time because there's just a lack of maturity there. Oh, yeah. And it's sometimes hard to tell, especially the way the show's written, what is intentional and what is just her fucking around. And yeah, in, in this opening, she is doing that thing that we've seen them do in previous episodes where she's like kind of mocking him and teasing him, but it's very playful. And when they get out of the car, she kind of like jumps on him, like hugs him like it's her uncle or her dad or something. But she also asks why he's never tried to have sex with her, too, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is also so inappropriate yeah. just given the kind of relationship that they have. But it also just lets me know that this has probably happened to her before. In Mm -hmm. a different context. It feels almost precocious. Even though she's not a little kid, it feels weird. It feels kind of inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So she gets, gets brought into the prison and she's going through the classic like, yep, you're getting checked out by guards and you're having to strip your clothes. And the prison is incredibly industrial and like, very stereotypical imagine a russian like hardcore prison this is it uh even to the extent that watching it the first time and this time i was like this is what prisons look like in russia is this just artistic license which is fine but now i feel dumb for being like i don't know that this is i also felt too with this episode i mean i think this is the darkest episode we've seen and there's such a menacing underbelly even with the soundtrack and the colors too like this when we're in the prison there's n- there's no color the colors are gray and beige and a very dark blue mm-hmm. and it feels so intentional that this is you know this is not a place that villanelle wants to be yeah it's very it's like the antithesis of her like glamorous parisian lifestyle she seems to thrive in and she is sort of like being mocking like mocking the guards who are taking her in and kind of playing around with them in that weird middle ground of like kind of flirty very inappropriate obviously to the setting and uh she a guard slaps her and she slaps the guard back and she says oh dear after she slaps the guard very flippantly which i especially clocked because 
last episode, that was the last line of the last episode. That's what Constantine says when she knows the name of the 12. So I thought that was very interesting. And maybe it's totally random, but I would doubt it in a show like this. No, yeah. It, like that kind of <laughs> parallel seemed very interesting. Yeah. It's also, there's also, there's a lot of good slaps in this episode. We can get to the other one later. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. I didn't even clock that those are like thematically linked. So we cut from the prison back to old Eve HQ trying to, you know, get to the bottom of all these murders, get to the bottom of Villanelle. And uh, they're they're just kind of like catching the team up on what's happening. And Eve is talking really fast. And Elena stops her and is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we calling Villanelle Oksana now? Like she truly just like doesn't know what's going on, which is interesting as a writer. I don't know. I was I, I clocked that for a second thinking, is that for the audience or is that just like a funny line for Elena? Because I yeah. did like it is helpful if people aren't really watching super closely to be like, OK, that's the same person. But it read as such a true line from that character who's just trying to keep up and they decide they're going to go to Russia because they know Nadia is there and they're going to go like find her and interrogate her and very quickly uh Eve says oh can we all go like it's a fun vacation for the team or something but I feel like for Eve it almost is oh a hundred percent that's the thing she's just she's just desperate to just keep now that she's broken out of her shell so to speak she's just like give me more let's do this yeah. let's go and like go. when she did bring Elena last time it was very traumatic but like Elena seemed to have a good time kind of so very quickly, both Ketty and Elena are stumbling over their words, just very, ve- like, extremely uninterested in going to Russia and trying to put out there, like, no, 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 we don't need to go. We don't need to go to that dangerous, dangerous place, uh, which is so funny. And so even Carolyn are just kind of nonplussed by it and like, OK, I guess the two of us will go. Whatever. Yeah. I love the oddball pairing, too, of Carolyn and Eve. That is so interesting in this episode because we get so much one-on-one time with them. I think more than the rest of the series, really. Uh, so then we see Nico and Eve. Uh, she goes to his work. Okay, Julia, maybe you can help me. <laughs> Every time I come to this damn microphone. What does he do for a job? I don't know. If you were, if you, like, some sort of community rec hall and or school like does he run something i am i i am baffled and like i have rewatched this show i couldn't tell you she goes to what seems like his place of employment he's like setting up chairs or is he taking them down because i feel like it's also always at night i feel like he only works at night and he goes and he just sets up like is it poker or whatever they were playing like bingo yes thing does he run a bingo hall Look, I don't listeners, my- please help me. <laughs> I'm so confused and I refuse to look it up ever, I guess. Uh, so she goes basically to tell him that she's going on a trip, but he's already so upset and he's smoking and she asks if he's allowed to smoke in there and he shows her the newspaper because the newspaper also <laughs> the newspaper has like a front page about Frank being dead. <laughs> Oh, well, Frank, R.I.P. Oh, Frank, <laughs> we can't be mad at you anymore, I guess. But like, real talk, would that be front page news? I don't think so. If a secret agent slash yeah. someone working at MI56 dies, is that front page news? But here's the thing. I also think that 
if this were real life, they would bury that. Like that would just, that would be neat. Um, that wouldn't make the pay. That wouldn't make the press. A million percent. They're not going to be like, also what journalist happens to get the hot scoop? Like, oh, there's all these secret agents and assassins and this guy died because of it. But I'm also wondering, I mean, I have a lot, I feel like I love this show so much, but I feel like each episode, my questions just grow and grow and grow. And, you know, one of the questions I have is it's very interesting that there hasn't been a leak or the, maybe the press hasn't picked up on all these important people dying. Mm-hmm. Like the connection between these people. Yeah. yeah. So you know what? Maybe it is time. I just want the explanation. I want to know, like a guard texted his girlfriend who works <laughs> the Daily Mail. I don't know. Uh, Frank's dead. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> but Nico is very upset because he recognizes Frank from yes. Bill's funeral. Mm-hmm. So now he's like, I know what's going on. People are literally dying all around you. You're not safe. And they have a pretty intense fight. And she says something about him being mad. And he very earnestly says that he's not mad. He's afraid. And it's very clear. Like, yeah. yeah. And you kind of should be afraid. And Eve has this violent outburst. And she slaps him. And she pushes him. And it's like she wants to fight. Yeah. And he just doesn't engage with it. He kind of refuses to fight back. He wants to go home and eat curry and drink tea. Yeah. I also find a a very kind of, you know, interesting plot point is the fact that she was honest with him about what she's doing. And in the first episode, Carolyn says to her, you know, maybe you should make your husband think you're having an affair. But she took the honest route. And in terms of actual liability, I don't know if an agent could be that honest with their partner? No. Well, they they shouldn't be. Exactly. Because I feel like she's put him at risk by being this honest. And he's also super stressed because he is aware of the danger that she's in. And he's a normal person. So any normal person would be like, well, this is pretty messed up and not safe. And Eve has this desire to fight and to, you know, kind of live this life that she's not living. So for her, I don't think she really thought it through when she told him but for him he's like the normal guy in all of this who maybe runs a bingo hall <laughs> guys please tell us it's killing it's me <laughs> it's truly killing me uh yeah yeah it's it's really interesting because in some ways it does seem like the kinder choice would have been for eve to lie to him and to pretend she got some easy job or some whatever other gig and him just live in that lie and I, I do, like, as someone who's in a long-term relationship, I do appreciate that that's not her impulse and that she's like, no, we're partners. Fuck that. I want to, like, be truthful. But if you want to be a secret spy living a yeah. dangerous life, like, that's <laughs> not really an option. I feel like that's, like, top five rules. <laughs> yeah. You know? But I, but I also feel like Eve is very much navigating this world fresh and she doesn't know. Yeah. And in some ways, it makes her a lot more relatable, I think, because yeah. I see that and go like, yeah, I get it. Wrong choice. But also, that's like a realistic wrong choice. It's not a glamorous TV spy choice. Yeah. This is not Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It Certainly not. <laughs> so we cut to them in the cab in Russia. Uh, Carolyn and Eve are together and it's the two of them in the back and they're just kind of bantering and Carolyn asks for uh, chapstick 
And he sort of ignores it and doesn't say anything. And they're talking. And then Carolyn insists. She's like, do you have anything? Lipstick. Anything that will moisten my lips. Ugh. My lips get so dry from airplane. Like giving way too much explanation for why she wants something for her lips, which is very out of character for her too. Usually she's so no nonsense and sort of like, this is the way shit is. And Eve gives her lipstick and she's putting it on and she's sort of like checking herself out in the mirror. It is such a sweet scene. I love, I also, I just want to shout out Carolyn's hat first and foremost. I feel like there's a beautiful running theme of hats. Mm. Hats and hair, both very important in this show. Villanelle's in prison for stealing some hats. We see Carolyn with her this amazing, very Russian fur hat. Like, to me, it is a hat that if you said, like, think of the most stereotypical, yeah. like, what is a Russian hat look like in throughout time? It's that hat. It's been in her closet since, like, 84. Yeah. It's like a costume. Oh, it it's is. It's like a costume designer gave it to Carolyn. Yes. And she loves it, and she wears it most of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is also adorable. And we see very quickly, they check into the hotel, and Carolyn decides she's going to go change, which Eve is kind of weirded out by. and like, you look great. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go change. We'll meet my contact at a bar across the street in 15 minutes. Whatever, whatever. So they show up at the bar, and Carolyn is, like, dressed to impress. And it is such a different (laughs) side of her we have not seen up until this point. I lo- I personally love this new Carolyn. I love it. I just feel like she's in she's embracing you oh, know, yeah. her just inner just fox. Yeah, with the hat and the lipstick and the earrings and like just even her jewelry is incredible in this episode. Oh, she yeah, she is she is bringing it. And in a similar way to the way we saw Bill when he was in Germany sort of living this different version of himself and again wearing a weird hat being like, I lived here my whole life. It's like Russian Carolyn is a different person than serious back home British Carolyn. I feel like that should be a shot. Like, can I get the Russian Carolyn, please? Ooh. Speaking of, at the bar, they kind of chat about the drinks a bunch. About how strong they are and... What are they drinking? I don't know. I was really hoping that you caught it and I was just... I don't know what that attention. is. At first, I thought it was... I thought it was like a Moscow mule, which I do not know if that is even a drink people drink in Russia. Fair. Also, they come, Moscow mules come in tin cups. Yes, because it was sort of rimmed with something that looked like copper, but I don't know. I don't think it was, but I I feel feel like like there was a lemon and a lime in it. Would it be vodka based? Maybe something with olives or like pickle juice? Like just, Mm. if anyone knows, please. We're curious. If anyone was working on the set and knows what was really in those drinks, I'm sure it was like water. Water. Yeah. Uh, Very boring. But her contact comes, Vladimir, and he shows up and she is so flirty and like throwing her head in her hands. There's some really great gifts of this too on the internet. I'm sure you fans have seen. Uh, And it's, it's weird. And Eve is taking it all in. Eve does not like this. She's seeing her superior act like a giddy schoolgirl. So shout out to Sandra Oh and her disgusted face throughout this entire sequence, because I feel like we've all been there. We've all seen our friends just all of a sudden just turn it on with someone who maybe they shouldn't. I mean, you know what? You're attracted to who you're attracted to, and that's beautiful and wonderful, great. 
but this is this is weird it's it, it it does really feel like that thing of seeing your friend and being like you could do so much better what are you doing why are you doing this and Vladimir sits down and it's a bit flirty and very quickly he says I have like someone else coming from the department whatever uh sorry I like I can't be here alone and they ask to ask who it is and within moments Constantine shows up and I mean as a viewer this is so good mic drop moment holy shit so many questions because we don't we actually do not know much about him yet and this is episode six Mm -hmm. we really don't know what his deal is who he's working for we know it's the 12 yeah our whole frame of reference for him is his interactions with villanelle so we know like quote unquote he's a bad guy and working with her and he's part of the 12 or associated with the 12 that's kind of it he shows up at this meeting and not only is he there and that that alone would be like, oh, no, he knows Carolyn and they are old friends. And the way they greet each other when he shows up, like, I don't I don't know if you wrote it down, but truly the essence is like, oh, you old son of a bitch. How are you? It is so weird. It's very strange. Also, he I mean, he knows of Eve. Oh, he has that because of the Linnell and because of, you know, he, he knows. And we now understand like, oh, if he knows Carolyn really well. Like, maybe he knows things from both sides. Maybe stuff that, like, we didn't understand Villanelle's side knew. This is getting very convoluted. But, like, he if he is this missing sort of link. Yes. Which is terrifying. You're fine. <laughs> the mic moved a tiny bit. It's, it's okay. Uh, and Carolyn demands, basically, the end of this meeting is Carolyn demanding, like, we want to see Nadia. And they say, yeah, you can watch the tapes. And she says, no, we need to be there. Me and Eve get to interrogate her. And, and like, that's when Eve's disgusted face, I think, just just brightens a little. She's yeah. like, OK, cool. She's yeah. like, cool, great. Cool. I get to go to prison. My girl's got me. It's all good. <laughs> and Vladimir, or not Vladimir, Constantine says something like, what's so special about Eve? Which is so funny. Yes. I burst out laughing this time because he's truly asking like why why does this person get to be there but also like absolutely what's so special about Eve why is this person like fucking up everything and Eve is just a normal person she doesn't have special training she doesn't have some special she is just so passionate I also think too with with that moment that's so great is I mean he he's it's like he's wondering this out loud because he's seen how Villanelle is is taken with Eve as well. So it's not just a question, you know, in general. It's a question for him. And and he's actively wondering this. He needs to know. Like, why this person? Why is everyone in my life? Why are all these important women in my life so, like, taken with this person? Yeah. It's It's like when you find that hot new band or your friends find that hot new band and they're all obsessed with them and you listen to it and you're like, meh. You're like, why? Why? What's, what's so great? Yeah. Uh, and also in this conversation, the scene is so dense. It comes out that Villanelle slash Oksana, which they drop that name and he starts to get a little panicky look on his face, is has chatted with Eve and went to Eve's house, which we assume he had no idea. And he asks, like, what did she want? Dinner. 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 What did they eat again? They ate like was it shepherd's like, pie. pie. Yeah, classic. Obviously, and he <laughs> bursts out laughing. It's like one of his. Who I need to know this actor's name. I think it's. I, I think it it's his name is Kim Badina. I'm sure you're right. Uh, cheat sheet. Uh, 
Bodnia. Kim Bodnia. He's amazing. But the way he sort of like bursts out into laughter sometimes, especially in those really tense situations, is so effective. And so when he says that Villanelle wanted dinner, he bursts out laughing because he knows. He's like, of course she did. Sounds just like her. But there's also this beautiful theme of Villanelle eating. Uh, In the first episode, she's eating like gelato or ice cream. And, you know, it's, it's just it's such a kind of I think it's it's a moment where she can really she indulges. Yeah, and, and she's incredibly indulgent, and yes. she loves the finer things. Yes. So, of course, of course, that's what she wants. But she did eat, like, microwaved or reheated shepherd's pie with Eve. Oh, for Eve? She'll lower her standards so low. Crap dinner all the she's way. She's like, whatever, I will take it. Uh, so the whole, the whole dinner scene is really intense. They leave, and... Uh, hmm, prison, yes. Reading my tiny, tiny notes. Ethan. Uh, so we we cut to Villanelle in prison. And she's tormenting the guards slash flirting with the guards still. She's asked to see the doctor because that was sort of Constantine's direction. Was like, you have to get in to see the doctor. And she's learning very quickly, like, oh, that's not a thing here. I can't just say I want to see the doctor. She's asked a bunch of times. They don't give a shit. And the guards don't really care about her and her weird charm. And she's powerless. Yeah. For- this is this is one of the first times we've seen her truly out of her element. And such low status. Even though we know she's not actually low status. She's been snuck into this prison. But for all intents and purposes, she has no status. She has no say. She is like purely, purely relying on her charm. Yeah, which is not getting her very far right now. <laughs> no, no, it is not. And she's uh, she she sort of talks back to a guard, and the guard smacks her with a baton and keeps her hunched over and starts walking her out to the yard or something. And she walks right by Eve and Carolyn and Constantine and the whole gang coming to the prison to see Nadia. Just coming to hang out, you know. That moment is so effective. <laughs> yeah. And terrifying, and you're like, oh, oh someone's going to notice. Nope. No. But that's, I think, again, going back to the, the underbelly of this episode, it is very menacing, and there is such a, there's the tension. It, it's it's there. The tension buildup is, I think you're right. In a lot of ways, this episode is so much scarier because of that. We don't get the release like we do in the other ones, even though other episodes have more dramatic, like, murders and intense stuff throughout this is you're just holding your breath the whole time yeah and you don't know kind of what's gonna happen so eve and carolyn meet with nadia and constantine is there and then he says i'll wait in the other room because it's better if only women interrogate her which they don't call him on at all no and they're just like okay whatever i don't think they're really thinking that much about him him no at least eve yeah so they start to kind of in interrogates maybe the wrong word but they're they're just trying to get information from nadia and she's very very afraid as you would be and not giving them much and she kind of starts to say that she was the one who was supposed to escape when oksana escaped five years ago and they're like oh and she's like he she just left to because she loved me and she was checking on it to make sure it was all good but she's talking very kind of broadly and vaguely and not giving specifics. I do have a question about that. If you're in prison, how do you leave to go check on something? 
Like, do you, do you get like a date? You're like, hi, day pass. Gotta go. Well, it, it just <laughs> seems like this whole escape plan was put into place. But then at the last minute, Villanelle slash Oksana manipulated her girlfriend into being like, I'll take the escape plan because I love you. Wink. Not because I want to escape. Like, it seems a little crazy. And they're they're starting to get a little of inf- little information from her. And then she's about to say, if you really want to know stuff, you need to find dun dun dun. In walks Constantine. It is such a good moment. And of course, she clocks it. She shuts up immediately. And it's a little awkward. And he lies about the sound not working in the other room. And then she gives this name, Anna. Yes. And says, that's who you need to find. I also just want to note in in this sequence, too, the camera angles change when Constantine walks back in. And it it feels very horror movie-esque in a way. Mm -hmm. And the lighting changes and the angles change. And they're kind of, we we go from below and above. And again, you get that you get that sense of foreboding. And it really makes at least it made me wonder who Constantine is, what his deal is. Well, especially now that we know at some level he has this weird double agent thing going on where he is party to both sides. Uh, and you're right. That's I mean, that's the direction of this is so effective in not just showing the drabness and the dark bleakness of the Russian backdrop, but also like who these people are and secret secrets. Yeah. So they take the name Anna and they're like, oh, you were going to say a, a man's name. And she's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. She no, get, I didn't. What are you talking she about? She now knows like, oh, I'm yeah. pretty screwed. Uh, but she's like, meet Anna. Uh, they have a secret car meeting with Eve and Carolyn and Constantine and Vladimir comes and they basically had tried to offer a form of immunity to Nadia saying they were going to bring her back to England and give her protection, which Eve calls Carolyn out on and says like, that's mean, you know, we're not going to yeah. do that. And Carolyn's like, whatever, you don't know what I can do. Wearing her hat <laughs> during this entire conversation in the car. Just like, no, fur mm. hat of power. Yeah. Uh, and Vladimir comes in and it basically just shuts it all down. And it's like, no, she 100% cannot leave Russia. You're wasting my time goodbye forever and then we're back in the prison and we just cut back and forth so much between this prison life and then eve trying to figure things out desperately in this episode in a really effective way uh basically villanelle gets herself finally to the doctor because she befriends this (laughs) inmate i should have found the name i didn't uh she befriends this inmate who is violent she said i'm spontaneously yeah. violent that's why yeah. she's in there she's also dying so i feel like for yeah, her she has she's cancer yeah and, and i feel like for her the stakes like she just they're they're very she's in there she's gonna she's die anywhere anyway yeah. so it's the i mean it's, it's a very convenient friendship for villanelle very convenient because this woman does not give a shit yeah and she says she has cancer and she has only seen the doctor once yeah. so like good luck seeing the doctor it's only when you're dying so Villanelle asks her, asks her new friend, her violent new friend, to beat her up. And her friend's like, I don't want to, which is very sweet. <laughs> and Villanelle's like, oh, yeah, well, it's fine. It's my, I'll tell them I instigated it because I said all these things. She starts saying inflammatory things. 
violent cancer patient can't help herself because she's got some sort of mental disorder and just starts beating Villanelle in the face and she finally gets to the doctor and we see her meeting with the doctor and the doctor is being very flippant with her saying that she's really committed to like getting in to see him because her face is now puffy and bruised and he gives her just a little bit of information. He gets her a shiv. He tells her uh, Nadia's cell number. Uh, that's funny. That sounds like cell phone number. Uh, <laughs> Six four seven. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, and he and he says once the hit is done, get yourself sent to the hole. You've been here before. You know what that is. It won't be a problem for you to like put get put in solitary confinement. She's like, great. And then Constantine will pick me up. And he's like, totally. Constantine will be here to pick you up. Don't worry. And he mentions Constantine a few times before she does. Yes. To kind of be like, yep, we're on the yeah. same page. Constantine? The Constantine page? Yep. Yeah. We're on the... coming? Yeah, great. Same cool. team. All good. Don't worry. I got you. And she seems like, okay, no problem. Villanelle's back in a way. She has a little bit of power back. She has a weapon. But I also think she's very she's very trusting in this moment, too. And she's just like, this doctor guy is going to help me out and everything's going to be great. And I'm going to get out of here. Totally. Because it to this point, Constantine sets her up. She's all set. And so she just has that sort of like underlying trust that he'll take care of everything. Uh, doctor instructions. Right. So we're back at the bar. Carolyn and Eve are... Uh, talking and drinking yet again so much drinking in this episode so much very appropriate we're having wine tonight uh she carolyn admits basically okay look not only do i know these guys and are we old friends which she denied earlier i had a bit of a thing with vlad we were like secret lovers and then i like got a piece of information that people thought i got from him But I actually got it from Constantine. She also uses the term honey trap, which (laughs) I really love and I want to start using more of. She she said that like she was worried that the two of them sleeping together was a honey trap. But he was also worried. Like they were both, they were having sex, but they were both suspicious of the other one. And that made it more fun and better. And Eve's just like, why are you telling me? <laughs> Eve's like, oh why? my, I hate, because Eve has like outwardly <laughs> expressed how much she doesn't like these guys. Yeah. she First she starts with one of them and then the other one, she's like, I hate them both. And so this comes up and she talks, Carolyn tells us that she basically got the secret piece of intel and everyone assumed it was from Vlad because they kind of had a hunch about this relationship. But actually it was from Constantine. And Eve infers that she had been sleeping with both men, which she admits freely. Oh, yeah. And he was like, oh, my gosh. Sorry, I said I hate these guys. Sorry, I said I hate your boyfriends. And Carolyn's, <laughs> oh, Carolyn's retort is so good and so quick. She's like, sorry, I hate your husband. Or you hate yeah, your husband. Sorry, sorry, you don't like, I'm sorry, you don't like your husband. Which says so much with, it's just, it's one line. Oh. But that's where the writing in this show is so fantastic because it just you're able to communicate so much with so little oh and and she's not wrong is the thing and eve is really taken aback and they've both been drinking and they've been having these strong russian drinks they've been talking about the whole episode and carolyn just kind of excuses herself and they leave uh but eve is not happy 
Eve knows some shit is going wrong. Eve is not trusting Carolyn because she doesn't like these dudes and she sees they have this weird old connection. And also maybe Carolyn's a bit blinded because they're lovers she's now found out. Oh, yeah. And I mean, first of all, Carolyn is so proud to share this information with Eve and just, you know, just she want. I feel like Car- I wonder about, you know, if Carolyn has friends she can talk to mm-hmm. because I she just wants to tell Eve I feel like she would go into detail, like become very detailed if Eve let her. If Eve gave her an inch, she'd be like, and then this happened. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Carolyn. And then I was on top and Eve would. No. Eve's like, I don't no, I know. can't do this. Yeah. I don't know that Carolyn has ever had a group of girlfriends in any form. And this is a small, tiny version of that. But Eve hates it. Yes. And Eve has called Kenny and asked for information on Constantine in relation to Carolyn. Kenny being Carolyn's son, hella awkward for Kenny. So weird. And Eve kind of knows that it's weird and she apologizes. She's like, sorry, weird. But also do it because this is important. I also just want to shout out, I love Kenny. Oh, I love him so much. He's so great. In the last episode we just watched, episode five, there's a lot of like Kenny and Elena stuff and Kenny just being so sweet and tender. It's very, very endearing. And especially in this episode, we get to see him following his superior officer, who is Eve. Maybe officer is the wrong word. I don't know. I don't know about spies in England, guys. I'm so sorry. A whole different world. But he like he agrees to look for dirt on his own mother. Possibly sexual dirt, too. Because he kind it seems like he thinks it's right and he trusts Eve that what whatever Eve is looking for is like just and good. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Make us love you more. So he's he's <laughs> looking for stuff. Eve is not having it. Uh bar. Yes. Villanelle. Villanelle is like, great. I just gotta kill Nadia, get thrown in solitary. I'm gonna be back with my Best friend Constantine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Like she seems just yeah. she's so chill. Happy. She's chilling now. Yeah. yeah. So she is in line for food. And what I can only assume is like prison gruel from the way oh they're presenting things. And she's in line right next to her violent new bestie. And they have a bit of a, a tussle because the violent friend won't like not engage with her. And Villanelle is essentially saying, like, be cool, dude. And her friend oh is, like, slat hitting her. But it's also such a funny moment because I feel like that friend, I feel like we need to name her, but the the, the friend is what I feel like Villanelle is usually like. Mm-hmm. The and, antagonistic. Yeah, yeah. And just, like, poking, pinching, prodding. And in this situation, she's like, just stop it. She's like, I actually am about to do something, so you're... So- but my, my question with this is that, like, what was her plan? Was she just going to, like, shiv her in the food line? Well, Maybe. that's a very interesting question because what happens is really smart in terms of Villanelle sort of framing this other person. So they kind of have this weird tussle where her friend's like poking and prodding Jing. at her and <laughs> Villanelle Jing. freaks out and the shiv falls and they both see it. The violent friend grabs it and then they have this kind of like awkward tussle and Villanelle with the friend holding the shiv, gets that friend to, like, stab a guard. Yeah. Guys, I'm doing so many arm movements you it's, cannot see because like, this is a like podcast. We're reacting this moment. But it's like, great. It, it is so, so dark. 
And the friend is now freaking out because like, even though she's a violent person, she didn't plan on stabbing a guard. Not today. And she is kind of in this like violent haze and out of control. But Villanelle is the one who is using her like a puppet. She takes the shiv. Uh, another guard is trying to calm down the violent friend and Villanelle stabs that guard from behind. So much stabbing. And then the friend is just like sort of catatonic. Yeah. And like, I, yeah, I doesn't know what to do. It's like okay. kind of like, ah. Uh, and Villanelle is already out of there with the shiv headed for good old Nadia. Yeah. She's got the keys. She's ready to go. Right. She stole one of the guard's yeah. keys. Like in that way, it, fe- it feels so smart. Because it's like, yeah, frame this person who everyone knows is hyper, hyper violent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Take their stuff. Like no one's going to know no. any of this had to do with you. And probably none of these other prisoners are going to talk. No. Because it seems like a real don't ask, don't tell situation. I also there. feel like this happens more than maybe people care to admit. Yeah. Yeah. In this Russian prison. Totally. Because... All of this violence, it's definitely putting like a lockdown situation in place, but it doesn't seem out of nowhere or like it. it is something like that's never happened. People are not shocked by this. Yeah. Also, I oh, just want to like. Two guards being murdered. There's a moment in this in this scene too where Villanelle throws, I think, I think it's a cabbage or something at someone. In the kitchen. And I just like, there is this beautiful like just theme of this. This show is so self-aware in that way. Where it's like, yeah, you're going to throw that cabbage in this Russian prison. I'm going to, you know, notice yeah. that and really enjoy it. So. <laughs> Thank you, writers. Thanks for the comedy. Yeah, thanks. We love this show. Yeah. Uh, so then we're back with Eve. Eve has secretly arranged a meeting with Vladimir because now armed with the knowledge that uh, her superior, Carolyn, and Constantine have had this like secret relationship. Kenny has found letters between the two of them. Poor, poor Kenny. She, (laughs) Eve sets up the secret meeting with Vladimir and says, look, I want these things. I know that you were fingered for this thing you didn't do. This intel that people think you gave because you were in a secret relationship. You, it wasn't your fault. I know who gave gave it. I will tell you. I will tell you everything. Mm-hmm. And he, at first, he's very kind of taken aback and like, why are you wasting my time? Why are we meeting? He's obviously in some ways loyal to Carolyn. But then it, we kind of see, mm, perhaps he's interested. It's such a little scene. It's such a little scene, but we also, I mean, we see, we see Eve work her power, which is great. Again, we also get that beautiful moment of self-awareness because they're meeting on this, this very bleak bridge and he says, like, I apologize for this meeting place. It's halfway between my son's school and the office. And Eve says, oh, it's very Russian. Yeah, she's like, no, it's nice. It's, great. it's Russian, I guess. Beautiful. But we, we, see, we see her in her element in this scene, which is just, it's, it's so lovely to see. She's sort of fearless in a way. Like, yeah. she is going behind her boss's back. Her boss, who is the only reason she gets to have this cool secret spy job. Mm-hmm. To sort of like throw her boss under her boss under the bus is what I was gonna say. Yeah, sounds weird. Yeah, but like to throw her boss under the bus and uh, trust this person who she doesn't really even like. She's admitted to not liking. It also speaks to her obsession with Villanelle slash Oksana mm-hmm. and how she wants to catch her, help her, maybe eat a nice, you know, not shepherd's pie meal with her. Mm. I don't know. 
Yeah, they, she'll stop at nothing, even yeah. though she knows doing this could put her job slash rest of her career and life in jeopardy. Back to the prison. Villanelle has marched her way through, unlocked several doors, somehow knows the out. I mean, this was the prison she was in before. Yes. So I guess she would kind of know the lay of the land. She gets to Nadia's cell very quickly. She goes in and we we don't really see much of that until we see uh, Nadia entering her cell. Poor Nadia. Poor, poor Nadia. Nadia enters her cell and immediately goes for her, I'm sorry, stationary she just has a little stationary set up at her desk i mean again i I love this show but this is like i'm always that person when i'm watching television and when i'm watching things that clocks the kind of you know the very strategically placed things and very writery yeah and i call bullshit on a lot of those but this is just one of those moments where i honestly really i didn't notice it but i'm so in i was so engrossed in the moment but at the same time would you give a prisoner paper and a, a pencil because i think a pencil would be considered a weapon especially because it's not like she's been there th- 13 years like no. she just got put in there after whatever that failed hit was after recovering from being run over by a car so <laughs> it's a bit odd it's been like a week maybe <laughs> two I, I don't know guys the timeline is very blurry it's very blurry fans have a set idea of the timeline i would love to see it please make it into a beautiful graphic i know you'll do that yeah. they send it our way <laughs> so uh she runs over to her stationary set and starts writing something and then on the outside of it writes eve palastri we see and of course spoiler alert villanelle is in the room which we knew and under the bed or something comes out she is uh and basically says they both know what's going yeah it's yeah nadia knows she's about to die villanelle knows she's about to kill nadia they have this weird exchange they kind of banter back and forth nadia in one quick moment when villanelle is monologuing a little bit slides her note under the door Yes. Which, oh, as a viewer watching that, you're just like, yeah, something, a crumb. You don't know if anyone's even going to find that, but it's like, okay. It's something, though. And Villanelle doesn't necessarily clock that that's what happened. No. But again, I think it's in this episode, we kind of see her failing at her own game, too, which is we need that. Mm-hmm. We She can't be on cloud, on murder cloud nine. Is, Every episode. Especially because Nadia is not just a random hit. This is a person that she theoretically was in a relationship with for years and either actually loved or pretended to love for years and years and years and has screwed over multiple times now. Yes. So it's like, yeah, you're probably going to be a bit clouded in that scenario. So they they talk back and forth. Villanelle says... uh, she might hang her because Nadia asks how she's going to kill her. She asks if she's going to kill her and then how she's going to kill her. And they go back and forth. She says, oh, maybe I should hang you. And then she's like, well, then again, we got to get this done. And the guards show up at, they see that Villanelle's cell is empty. And then they notice Nadia's cell and they run over. <laughs> and in what is <sighs> such an incredible titular line for this episode Jodie Comer's performance is... Oh, MVP. It's mind-boggling to me. MVP. Because it is so funny and sad and dramatic at the same time. Yeah. As an actor, 
I don't understand how you do that. Like, so good. I think it also helps that I haven't, I hadn't seen her in anything previously. So it's very fresh for me to watch her perform. <laughs> you don't think Jennifer Aniston doing this role really, would have been oh, the same? Could you imagine with the Avena, like the, like, just like the Avena commercials, but also like that hair? Now that's all I want to see. Oh my God. Is her reading all of Villanelle's lines. SNL skit? Could it be an SNL skit? Look, guys, let's make this happen. Let's, let's do it. Uh, Villanelle puts her arms up in the air and says, in a very dramatic fashion take me to the hole we do have to backtrack because my favorite line of the episode happens in this scene wait do you want to save it for a second i mean we can top line we can yeah let's okay, do, let's it. do it let's, let's do save that. it so it's a it's very dramatic uh kenny on the phone is telling eve that he found these secret letters we don't find out what the letters are no but we can imagine yeah i mean if they're letters and they're written by carolyn i feel like they're gonna be like you know they're going to be graphically sexual letters. <laughs> We've got letters between <laughs> Carolyn and Constantine. Two characters we would have assumed were enemies up yeah. until this, literally yeah. this point in this episode. So good. And Eve is overwhelmed and upset. And she now knows her mentor slash boss is maybe not as great as she thought she mm-hmm. was. And she's overwhelmed. We have a really nice shot of Sandra O oh on her hotel bed, just like kind of distraught. And we see Villanelle back she got sent into the hole theoretically everything's right she's back on top uh someone comes to the little like peephole eye thing in her prison cell in solitary and he opens it it's the doctor he gives her some pills to relax and she asks where constantine is and he says constantine Constantine who which is chilling and scary and again shows us not only Villanelle not as high status and not in total control but like the complete inverse she is now locked in solitary confinement she has murdered a person in prison and her rock is not there to rescue her I I I do think again I do think that this is the most vulnerable that you know we've seen her but I also feel like this was bound to happen because she's been getting away with so much for so long. And eventually the hammer has to come down. And she's been so cocky about it. And so, so cocky. careless. And just, I, I mean, again, I think going back to maybe, you know, trying to figure out how old she is. It's it's a game to her. And I don't think she realizes that there are, you know, she's taking lives. Oh. Literally lives. There are actual consequences. Yeah. And not only that, but some of the people associated with Constantine might not be as caring and loving towards her as he no. has been. Like no. she, I think maybe took advantage of how, I don't know how to articulate it, but how much heart he had and how much he seemed to care about her. Even if it's a surface level, even if it's only for keeping his assassin alive, other people might not be that kind or... No careful with her no exactly and i but i do think it is a shout out to jody comer and that i feel for villanelle in this episode and yet the pre in the previous five we've watched her kill and you know murder destroy ruin people's lives in cold blood murder characters yeah. we cared about yeah and it's it, it's not like she's pretending to to be a nice person no 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 no. she is who she is she's a psychopath we know that but yet there are certain moments where 
I have watched, I've watched this episode and, you know, going, oh shit. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Get out. Get out. Get out. Don't trust that person. Don't, you know, don't go to the hole. Don't do it. Run away. I don't know how else you can get out, but just get out. And that is such a testament to the, you know, Jody's performance. Oh, the performance and the writing. The writing, absolutely. That you somehow still have empathy for this character, which you do. And I will say, like, people who write into this podcast, we've gotten a lot of messages and a lot of comments about, like, why and how much we all love this character of Villanelle. And it's so strange to love and empathize with a serial killer assassin. Yeah. But in a similar way to Dexter, when that show started, it's like, even though I don't think Villanelle is a good person or doing things for the right reasons, there is some sense of humanity in that character that you just cling to. And the idea that they've only shown us a tiny bit about Villanelle's past. And we don't know what turned her into this. We don't know if she was born a psychopath kid or if some really messed up shit happened Mm -hmm. to her and that has like formed this assassin. Yeah. But I think there's, I mean, it's also, there's, that element of mystery too that comes through where we don't know everything. So I think there is kind of this tendency that we're, we're telling our own villanelle story in our own, in our heads. And we've created a, we've created a narrative for her that may not be her narrative, but we've created one so that we can empathize with her. A hundred percent. And that's one of the really interesting things about this show that as a viewer, you, you tend to empathize with like the good guy and then they're they have a nemesis and in this show we empathize with kind of both of them at different times for different reasons yes and even with that i think there's there's something about eve where eve is attracted to villanelle and her lifestyle because maybe there's a part of eve that wants to do that so what does that say i don't think eve is this basic boring person I think there's a part of her that just wants to break out and that maybe wants to you know as gruesome as it sounds kill someone or go to those extremes she craves that danger yeah. and intensity of course she's literally throwing herself in like, harm's way again and again and here's again. a bus I'm gonna yeah. jump in front of it yeah, like, here's a serial killer let cool. me walk towards yeah, them <laughs> no problem I'm gonna text her <laughs> what are you doing tonight wanna come for Shepherd's Pie at my house oh Eve you're so complicated I know which brings us to <gasps> segment time what an episode. I what feel like episode. we talked for five hours. Top line. My my favorite episode is when we're, we're in the cell with Nadia and, and Villanelle. And Nadia is talking about this woman that's going to help her. And, and Oksana Villanelle looks at her and goes, was it the Asian woman with the amazing hair? Oh, that line <sighs> is, again, so funny. And so intense at yes. the same time because yes. she does need to know was yes. it Eve, but like that's the way you're describing Eve because yes. she's like this everyone will get and we need no more explanation. No. Yeah, I mean we all know that Sandra o has amazing hair and I just I like I don't know why she's not doing com- hair product commercials. Oh. Sandra O, oh, if I was casting hair commercials, you would yeah. be the spokesperson like, for every single one. L'Oreal Pantene, call Sandra O, oh, get her in Please. there. Come on. Uh, yeah, that line is so funny. And also is a line that I feel like that gif is widely used in the Killing Eve fandom, as it should be. Yes. Uh, the lines in this episode were so good and so wittily written. And this episode, like you said, has a lot of tension 
and anxiety-inducing sort of segments, but it's also really funny. And there were a few lines I really liked, but a lot of them were back and forths. The first one was uh, Constantine, when they're drinking and they're all getting a little tipsy, he says something like, these drinks is vicious. And he's drunk and he's speaking English. And it just feels like something like a sorority sister would say. Like, I'm sorry, are you getting tipsy from your drinks? Like, what's happening? And it's like kind of the cutest thing I feel like I've seen that character say up until this point. Uh, Also, Villanelle, when she asks her new violent friend, she says something like, why are you here? And the friend says, I'm spontaneously violent. And Villanelle just looks at her, clocks it and says, we will be friends. Yeah. That's all Villanelle wanted to hear. (laughs) She's like, yes. Perfect. So good. And, And then, of course, the Eve and Carolyn back and forth of, I'm sorry, I don't like your boyfriends. I'm sorry, you don't like your husband. Like, ugh. Yeah. Intense and terrifying. I also really enjoyed, you know, when when Constantine asks Eve, what did she want? And Eve responds with dinner when they're talking about the fact that Villanelle slash Oksana showed up to her house. Because again, it's just, it's such a, it's what, like five words, but it wraps everything up so beautifully. Oh, it's so simple, but also true. And also really, really... Uh, appropriate to that character. Yeah. That is what she wanted. She wanted dinner. On some level, yeah. That's what she, she just wanted. wanted to eat. She just wanted she someone wanted to cook her a nice meal. To eat and chat, <laughs> hang, hang out, out with yeah. her best friend Eve. Yeah. Right? Who she may or may not kill. We'll see. We'll, yeah. Uh, okay. Next segment. Awesome. Let's do Top it. ship. So, Julia. Oh my God. Do you know what it means to ship? I do. I do. Can you try to give a concise explanation? I get all of my guests to either explain it to me or I very poorly try to explain it to them. It's when it's it's fictional based and it's when the fandom is kind of so ferocious that you end up wanting these two characters to be together. So good. So for our purposes, it can be romantic, which it usually is shipping or not. If there are other two characters you really love being together as some sort of non-romantic soulmate situation, that's also okay. Do you have one for this episode? I do. Hit me. Constantine and Carolyn. Oh, sexy times. I just want them to go on a beach vacation and I want it to be this weird, oddball, like sexy romantic comedy where they're drinking these drinks and maybe there's a hammock and Carolyn's wearing her hat on the beach and Constantine's like, in a speedo. You know, this really sounds like, like some sort of Diane Keaton style yes, romantic comedy. Yes, he has a coconut drink. And I just, I want them to just ex- escape their bleak lives. Because, I mean, you know, I feel like Russian weather and maybe like British weather. Maybe similar. I feel like there's a lot of rain in both. Julia, they need to go to Morocco or you're something. You're a filmmaker. I'm just going to float this out there. <laughs> you could write something I for could. Fiona Shaw. I could. And then this could almost come true. Fiona Shaw, let's chat. Yeah. Call me. No doubt hey. you're listening to this <laughs> fervently. Uh, for me, for this episode, not romantic for the most part, but I think it's even Carolyn, mm, especially yeah. in the front half. Seeing the two of them interact and gab, and it's not very natural. In that cab ride, they have a really weird interaction where Carolyn says some says something is tit for tat, and Eve tries to kind of make a like sexy innuendo joke, and Carolyn just shuts it down 
so fast and so hard and is like, oh, you've never heard that expression? Oh, weird. I thought you would know what that expression means. Oh. But haven't we all been there? We're, we're in a cab with our boss. Like I have those moments where I'm like, oh my God, what do I talk to you about for this half an hour or however long it takes to get from point A to point B? And it's just, it's, I mean, again, the camera kind of remains, the camera, I don't think moves during that entire scene. And it's just them talking and it's a testament to the whole show where it's all i mean it's a great show so you really hope that everything is well developed and well thought out but it's these two fantastic actors really get to shine in the back of a cab oh so good and like is anything more awkward than trying to make sort of like a bit of a dirty joke and having the other person not only not laugh and join in but shut you down so fast and so fully and kind of make fun of you. (laughs) Like that is my social anxiety nightmare. Oh yeah. Especially when it's someone you respect and are looking up to and trying to be cool around. And props to Eve for handling it very well. Yeah. I mean, she could have just like rolled out of that cab, like out of like Ladybird style and just been like, bye. Gentle roll down the Russian highway. (laughs) I don't know where I am. Moscow. What's happening? But seeing the two of those, like seeing those two together, gabbing i i could have a full buddy comedy of that yeah oh god love oh my god loved, loved it especially before mm, future episodes happen and maybe there's some betrayals i don't know spoiler alert dum 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 top kill slash kill count okay i am notoriously bad for getting these kill counts wrong here's what i think happened in this episode two guards were killed uh by villanelle maybe using violent the hand friend. of yeah. her violent friend and then she also kills nadia which we don't see but it's in plot yeah so three kills i think but I think what did those like did those guards really die i'm like using like the shiving motion right now you guys can't mm-hmm. see that but like, we're doing really a lot die? of act amounts yeah i don't know that's interesting I, I just feel like i feel like that I don't think a like, one stab wound to the stomach would really kill someone. I'm not a doctor. Doctors write in. Tell us. What's up? Doctors are like, oh, yeah. you guys. You're so, so dumb. Please don't stab people. <laughs> Please don't do this. <laughs> um, or maybe it depends on the positioning of the stab. Like if like for your spleen. I, I'm just ma- I'm just like, I don't. I'm, just, I'm buying yeah. it all. Cool, I'm great. also not a doctor. Great. I'm like, yeah, the yeah. spleen. That seems yeah, that's important. Yeah, that's a thing, right? Your li- liver stabbings uh, are bad. Don't stab people. Approximately three kills. Yeah. What was your top kill of the ep? I think, I mean, it has to be Nadia. We don't don't even see Nadia, but to me it was one of the most, if not the most gruesome of the series thus far. Heartbreaking. So personal. So cold. Yes. Yes. Because it truly doesn't really seem to be affecting Villanelle. No. And we also haven't known Nadia for that long. Mm-hmm. So to have that kind of emotional connection to her and her character, I also think it's the weight of what this means where where Villanelle is just going to just these all these dark places. And you have to imagine that at some point you hope something's got to give. And it's also the second time we have seen Villanelle try to kill Nadia. Maybe there have been other times we don't know in their storied past. But like actively in the last little bit, she's tried to murder this person she used to be in a relationship with. It's really intense. I really, I agree. I think that's really intense. But I will say for me, I think in this episode, the top kill is the one she does through the hand of her violent friend. Because to me, that is... 
it's the most calculated, even if it was just in the moment, for her to kind of be framing this cancer patient who's been kind to her. <laughs> kind. And like, quote. yeah, her own <laughs> version of kind. Yeah. Like, that is just, like, that is some harsh, harsh reality. I have a very serious question for you. Please. Do you think that Villanelle was a ballet dancer? <laughs> I'm honestly wondering because she, I mean, for, you know, she the gets grace? Into, the that... grace and the skill and the fact that she can get into suitcases and also just like whip around and stab someone. And it just feels so effortless. I'm like, were you like, were Here's you the like thing. a pre, like, were you supposed to be a prima ballerina and then shit got bad? Like, like, let's talk. I feel like Jodie Comer has taken ballet. Yes. Which may or may not be true, but that is a vibe I get. It might be modern dance. Some sort of tap dance. Movement It's something. It might just be yoga. I don't know, but it's something. (laughs) But I feel like for the character of Villanelle, in my, as we kind of were saying, we all have our own ideas of where she came from. In my imagination of her background at this point, I imagine her coming from a very, very uh, poverty stricken, sad, bad background. Which could be totally wrong. Hopefully, season two will enlighten yeah. us. I don't see, I don't see dance lessons in her past. <laughs> At least not traditional. You don't see her being like plucked from this lineup of like poor kids and going I don't to this see, ballet like, school. An art scholarship. <laughs> and really, although you know what, I want to see the art that she would make. I will say that because I, I feel like it would be some fucked up shit. Some r- people will be like, there. Mm, I get it, but yeah, no, no one gets no it. One gets it's it. Just it's just weird, and yeah. there are holes in it. And like, speaking of art, I have seen so much fan art for this show <gasps> yes. on yes. Twitter and Instagram specifically. That is so mind blowingly good. I don't know how you guys are such incredible visual artists drawings paintings pins like amazing i don't have any I want a of those skills oh. can we get shirts yes yes shirts it. yeah let's do it also killing eve why aren't you selling merchandise right yet? you know you have this like <laughs> rabid no, fan base they should sell that beautiful bedspread from that first episode because i want i mean i put that on my bed I'm and not or lie. the pink dress you know what the i mean yeah Give us there's a collection just oh the clothes like some of the clothes that like the pink coat in this episode that villanelle wears oh. i would wear that pink coat i mean it's so good it's gonna be fall soon so i need a new coat you heard I'm it saying. here first hey please release a clothing line <laughs> The Killing Eve Collection. All right. That brings us to the next segment, which is listener question slash Eve mail. Uh, today's Eve mail was sent in via real email, guys. We get a lot of questions from Instagram DMs and Twitter DMs, which we love. But also emails are fun. They make us feel really fancy. This one is from Andrea. And Andrea says, <clears throat> It is so lovely and satisfying to see women in their 40s like Eve and Anna in the next episode who appear rather ordinary at first glance to be the object of desire for this young, textbook, attractive, adventurous female assassin. Even more so to be made the object of desire without feeling objectifying. Really, really great point, Andrea. Uh, I think we can all agree that Villanelle is someone who can easily have whoever she wants, but the fact that they have clearly given her a type, which is completely unexpected and unprecedented in television, feels so fresh. Hey, there's that word fresh again. What is this, our Riesling? (laughs) It is fresh. 
We talk about wanting to see women of certain ages and those who aren't usually in the spotlight receiving meaty, complex roles in TV and movies. But I think it's also important to see these women through the lens of other women as desirable and not just sexually, but intellectually and in everything uh, between the spectrum of what women can be. Killing Eve is doing just that, and I am so here for it. That was an email from Andrea M. Andrea, thank you. Amazing, amazing Eve mail. Andrea, you are a person after my own heart. I love this. This is great. Uh, Yeah. This, seeing Eve as this object of Villanelle's desire adds so much drama and tension to this show, but it is also something that is kind of unprecedented for this sort of action-y show. Obviously, Sandra Oh is a very stunningly beautiful and attractive person. With great hair. Yes. Perfect hair. And she's an actor, of course. But I I agree that having Villanelle's type be older women with dark, flowy locks. But even Nadia fits into that to a certain degree as well. Interesting. I didn't think about her hair, her big, brown, flowy hair. Yeah. I also think that there is, I mean, there is, in this episode, we haven't met Anna yet, but there is an intelligence to these women and there's a complexity to them, which I also think speaks to Villanelle and what's hiding beneath the surface. That said, I also love that in this episode, we get to see Carolyn as a sexual being as well. And not just like, oh, she flirted with someone, but she's like, these were my two old lovers. I was sort of secretly juggling them. We had a lot of great sex. What's up? Want to hear more about it? I'll happily tell you. Let's go. I do another round. Like, let's do this. And it's not a, It's not the point of the show. No. And it's not the show. We're going to market this show as like older women are in it. It's just it's in what the it show is. and yeah. not commented on. Yeah. And to me, that is one of the most empowering things about this show that not only is it diverse and do they show older characters and characters who are people of color and queer characters, but it's just normal in the world. And it's just part of the story. And to me, that idea of like not having to sensationalize it or make it gimmicky. It's very British in that way. Which I love because it's even with even with Villanelle, like, you know, we've, we've seen her in bed with both men and women and she never has there's never a moment where she justifies it. She just likes to have fun. She just likes to have sex. And that's it. Yeah. And that's the that I mean, we don't need to go into why or how or or what. What does that say about her that she likes it, older women? It never like- needs to be qualified, mm-hmm. which I think is so important. And, you know, it. it it's just so lovely to see. Again, I mean, I'm using that word "lovely" to describe a show that is, you know, basically about murder. But it, it is. It's it's so you lovely fit to see in here, Julia. Yeah. That is, we are all on yeah. that page. Yeah. We're all like, isn't it so sweet when she didn't murder someone? We, we, we were talking about. We were talking about this at the CFC, and you know, I I kind of pitched it pitched it to everyone by saying, like, I've I've never watched a show that's about murder that's just so joyous. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing about Killing Eve is it's so cinematic. Yes. The way it's shot, the way it's directed, it's gorgeous to look at. And as someone who is is kind of font-obsessed and and really into, like, the visual packaging of things, the fact that it's it's down to the fonts and the colors, they lend a feel. So when you're watching it, you're like, oh, if if this is a dark green, that's going to make me feel something different than if it's a light blue. 
And it, it feels so well thought out. And I would like to see more shows doing that. Oh my gosh. I would also love to watch like a 30 hour behind the scenes documentary oh, yes. on the making of the season. Yes. It's so good. And I'm so curious because season two has a new showrunner. And I love and worship at the altar of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But I'm very curious to see if the show takes on a different tone or if it's able to kind of stay consistent. Yeah. With a new a new showrunner at the helm. Absolutely. Ugh. And what's going to happen? I mean, we're not we're not at the end of the season yet, but Ugh. what's going to happen? What's going to happen? <laughs> I need to know. I hope the next season is released like tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be really, wouldn't that be great? I mean, not, it doesn't take long to film a show, right? They're like filming like, season two right now. I have my heart obsessively stalking like, it. Do you think we could go and see what they're doing? Just a casual vacation. Like, Here's vacation. the thing. BBC America. <laughs> we're in Toronto. We could be in London pretty fast tomorrow like, like i don't know we could get a flight in like like two days your time but okay you no know, it would take us like two hours to get to pearson i mean mm-hmm. we wouldn't really need to pack because like nope. they, they have stores there so we can just buy like stuff there great i mean we could be in london by like 5 a.m tomorrow so just putting it out there uh please invite us to your set obviously hey. the show's gonna have like 500 more seasons but Clearly, yes we will do anything we'll get coffee do you like, need pas i used to pa I'm a terrible PA. I used to be a pretty good PA. Mm. So I can get some nice coffees. I mean, if you like almond milk, I'm like, I also like almond milk. Love almond milk. It's great. Seems like you guys need us there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what else do you need? Do you need us to like paint your nails? I mean, you probably have makeup for that. I don't know. (laughs) Again, you don't want me to paint your nails. Which brings us to the final segment of the show, which is, of course, Confirm the Kill, a.k.a. Plugs, Julia. Yes. People want to follow you follow you if people want to follow you on they your want to casually stalk me on the internet yes. you get it hey. where can they find you how can they follow your upcoming magnificent career you can find me on instagram and twitter at julia chronicles Ooh. i have a website it's juliaroland.com and if you want to learn about wine you can go to juliadrinkswine.com be warned i haven't updated since the spring but that's fine. There's I'll, old I'll, yeah. articles for the I mean, there's, a, there's like a lot to click on. So, I mean, you'll, you'll be good for a day or two. What's your favorite kind of wine? Oh, my God. It really it really depends on the season and the mood. I, I mean, I love Rieslings. I brought a Riesling today uh, or tonight. Hmm. Yeah, you know, either or. I'm not opposed to day drinking. Hey-ho. It's great. I... I do love, I mean, rosé is not a type of, I mean, it is a type of wine, but I feel like I'm still on that rosé train. Oh, me too. I will not be shamed. No, it is, it is a fan, it's fantastic. I am very passionate about Ontario wines. We have a lot of great wineries in this province. There are both east, west, there are some popping up up north. Uh, some of the winery, can I plug wineries? Please. <laughs> So some of the wineries that I, I love in, if you go west of Toronto into the Niagara Beamswell region, uh, Q is really great. Malavoir, Back 10, Rosewood. We've also got, we're drinking a Nomad tonight. Uh, Ravine is beautiful. They actually do Canada Day fireworks, which are fantastic. And you actually sit in the vineyard and you watch them. And it's just, it is epic. Sounds like something Villanelle would like a lot. Oh, I feel like, but I feel like she'd be like hacking the vines, trying to kill the winemaker or something. And we don't want that. We don't want that to happen. Thank you. If you had East 
uh, Klaus and Chase is fantastic. You've got Trainer, Light Hall, Domaine Darius. Uh, Rose Hall is fantastic. Uh, I also, I do love, uh, uh, you know, Rosé from Provence. And not super big into Californian wines. I will Ooh. say that. I don't know if that's going to stir up some controversy. Here's a question for you. Please. Oh, my God. We're getting into it. If Villanelle were a wine, what would she be? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I feel like I need like three weeks to prep for that question. I don't know. I feel like it would be something red and acidic and like tastes good at first, but then terrible and like is secretly poison. It's just a bottle of poison. So it's like a stale, like it's like a, a corked like poison like Cabernet Franc yeah. or something that's yeah. just not good. You're like, this is fine. And then an hour in you're dead. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Dead. Yeah. I'm sure there's like a, there's a, a red for that, right? Like I mean, that's the, the thing. At this point, I need to say if there isn't a wine brand who's going to send God. us free wine, I something mean, is very something's wrong. so wrong. Please send us wine. Julia will be back. We'll have yeah. Julia explain the wine. No, I will. And I, I, I honestly, I feel like I'm gonna go on a, go on a limb here. Like I feel like you know Eve might be a riesling. Oh yeah. Because it's you know it, again, it's, I feel like it it has the wrap of being overly sweet. Not very interesting. And then when you get into the complexities of it and you really dig deep, holy shit. Underestimated. So yeah. So good. I want to know. I'm trying to figure out what Fiona shot. Maybe she'd be a really nice Pinot Noir. Hmm. Like kind of just you know, first a little light. And then as you swirl the glass around, you just you get those complexities. Ugh. And then bam, you're just in her bed. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> We can we can do this next time with all of the characters oh. and their wine equivalent. I actually I actually saw that on Big Little Lies. They did like Ooh. what wine would each character be? And I just Oh yeah, that's yeah. good. That's yeah, some it was good great. Shit. If you guys have any ideas about Please. what Killing Eve characters would be, what kind of wine, we want to know. Also, if you're not following the show already, the show. This show already on Instagram and Twitter, we're at Spilling Eve. You can send in your email questions to spillingeve at gmail.com. You can follow me at Christy LaPointe on Twitter if you would like to. And that's pretty much it. Julia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. This was amazing. What a delightful time. Can't wait to have you back. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen. And we will see you guys all next week. Do not kill anyone. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!